You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we have a ton to talk about. I know last week on the pod, I mentioned how baseball fans, I'm sorry, but it was the time to talk about the NBA. We did a full NBA episode. Well, it's here. It's baseball time, a full baseball episode. And what better time to talk about baseball in New York than right after the Subway Series? So me and my man Alec Argento caught up right after the game ended when the Mets snuck out their one win of this series. Uh, Seth Lugo pitched a great game. Todd Frazier had the game-winning home run, and uh, it was a good one. But there's a lot to talk about. What can the Yankees do to continue to improve, to continue to find success? Are the Mets fried? Do they have any hope left? We dive deep into the, quote, should the Mets trade Jacob deGrom situation, and I think I may even have flipped my opinion on that throughout this podcast, which was somewhat therapeutic for me as a Mets fan just talking through this entire situation. But also, I just learned while recording this intro here that the Mets just made some moves. The Mets officially have released uh, first baseman Adrian Gonzalez, they DFA backup catcher Jose Lobatone, and they call up Dominic Smith, first baseman, and Ty Kelly, a little bit of utility guy, a little outfield, a little infield. So they're making some changes, they're trying to shake it up, trying to make things happen, and that is all good. But a quick note on today's pod, unfortunately I made a mistake. I may have left a key component of our recording unit at home today when going to record the podcast with Al. So bear with us, the audio struggled today a little bit. We went old school, just us and the Mac, but we did what we can, we did our best, so hopefully you can bear with the sound and enjoy the takes on today's episode. Sports Blog New York Podcast, iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, you know where to find it. But hopefully, you can enjoy. Most importantly, stay tuned. You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Join my man, Alec Argento. So. I thought you weren't going to say it for a second. No, I was going to say it. I was always going to say it. And there goes the air condition. <laughs> I just said how uh, the air condition wouldn't turn on. You know, it's cold outside. And then, boom, we just start recording. Ten seconds in, air condition goes on. As you can hear, today on the Sports Blog New York podcast, somebody, not pointing any fingers, but it was me, forgot the mixer for the microphones today. And uh, we're recording old school style, Al. No microphones, just me and you in your basement. Recording a podcast with a laptop. Well, throwback Thursday on a Sunday. Straight throwback. Throwback Sunday. Back in the day before we had the mics and mixers, we used to record like this, like peasants. And because I made a mistake, uh, that's why we're sitting here today not sounding as great as we usually do. But our takes are good. Hopefully. Hopefully the takes are good and the takes will be about the Mets and the Yankees because that's what we're talking about today. The Subway Series just ended. Al and I are up here late, 11 o'clock on Sunday, recording this podcast for you to listen to on a Monday morning. And uh, we're going to try to keep this one short because this probably sounds like crap. And we're going to be honest with that. But there's also just one thing to talk about in sports right now because thankfully basketball is over. Basketball is over. And that means there's more things to talk about with basketball. Because no, realistically, no, think about it. Not, hear me no, out. There's not, Pete. There's not. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. But before we get to basketball, I mean baseball. <laughs> if you think about it, the real NBA season starts now. Because it's NBA draft season and then it's the LeBron sweepstakes. It's free agency. And a lot of people would argue that this is the more interesting portion of the season to then the NBA Finals, which we force ourselves, or some of us force ourselves, into thinking was interesting in the first place. No, it wasn't interesting, and the offseason hasn't started yet, and it won't start for a couple weeks. So let's not talk about basketball because it's boring. That's where you're wrong. No, it's boring. The moves are going to start in a week. The draft picks might start getting traded. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You should see my face right now, listeners. And uh, here on the Sports Blog New York Podcast, we're here for it. But right now, we're here for baseball, and the Subway Series just ended. Thankfully, the Mets did a job in getting that one win that has been just scurrying away from them at every point of uh, you know the seventh through ninth innings in the past eight games. They had eight game losing streak. Finally, got one from the Yankees. First team to shut out the Yankees this season. That's that's something to hang your head on. Am I wrong? Yeah. No. It really sucks because in in my head, you know, we just won the series and. and we won them in, in dramatic fashion in the two games. But to me, that was a loss of a series because I have to record this podcast right after the crushing loss of uh, a Severino start that was faltered. He hadn't lost the game. Uh, he hadn't trailed the game since April like 27th, and this is his second loss of the season. It's crazy. 
And uh, you also have to sit through Monday now without yeah, no a Yankee game, game on no, Monday. No game. So you just have to sit on this loss. So hopefully you feel real bad about that. I, I do. I don't feel bad for you or any Yankee fans out there. Uh, I don't know I don't know exactly where to start here with this well, conversation. Well, why are you happy? Like your your season's going nowhere. We need every win. If we're gonna win the division that's the has the two best teams in baseball in it. You know what you wanna know why I'm happy? You, you lost. You, you wanna know why I'm happy? Because the Mets haven't gotten a win in over <laughs> a week and we finally got one, okay? Let me have this. My favorite stat, I keep telling Pete about this, is before this series started, uh, the last 45 innings for the Mets, they had given up 48 runs on their bullpen, uh, which is just impossible. That's an impossible number, and it's so good. It's challenging to give up that many runs. It's, as a it's ridiculous. You know, as, as a bullpen pitcher, obviously it's a really hard job in baseball to come out, uh, come in the game cold. You know, you haven't faced anybody yet. You're not you come in, you come in, you come in with no rhythm. You just threw to nobody in the bullpen. But as a relief pitcher, you by accident sometimes can just get a good inning because we saw Anthony Swarzak right there at the end of the game. That was an accident, an accidental good inning. Accidental good inning. He got two lucky strike calls on Giancarlo Stanton to strike him out, and then he walked a guy, and then uh, Gary Sanchez hit the hardest ball he hit all game, and it turned into a double play. So literally by luck, the Mets bullpen should not have given up that many runs yet. They couldn't get outs over the past uh, past week and a half. All right, so you don't know where to go with this. I have some takeaways. All right. Uh, first off, Brandon Nimmo sprinting to first base on a walk is by far the lamest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I it, it infuriated me. What are you doing, dude? That's what he does. He that, has he's the fastest home run trot. Get him league. off your team if that's like, if that's your best player. He is our best player right now. Oh my now. god, <laughs> take take him back to the Little League World Series where they actually sprint to first base. That is so lame. Oh my god. He's trying to get loose, okay? He he's about to run the bases. He wants to make sure he's uh, not going to pull a hamstring. He's getting loose, dude. Speaking of pulled hamstrings, that was that an accidental segue? Well, I'm trying this? I'm trying to talk about our other best player. That's Dribble Cabrera. Oh, who now I wasn't now talking about hamstring. that. Either. We're talking about us. We're talking about the Yankees. Oh, okay. Go on. Tanaka. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, oh boy. All right, so I'll preface something and I'll let you take over. Uh, I was working the May Yankee game with the fan on Friday night. And I had to cut off the post game. That was part of, my, part of my gig over there. And they asked Aaron Boone, you know, Aaron, at this point of the season, you know, would you be happy with having a DH full-time all the time, no matter what, nationally park or not, would you like to have a DH? And he goes, uh, yeah. Fair to say that that would be good. That that is what I would want, especially with our team. I think I would like that. Like he was very matter of fact, saying, saying without saying it. Like his his more his facial expressions and his matter of factness just screamed, "What the hell is this crap?" With the, our pitchers don't hit ever, and now they have to come in and run the bases. The Yankees have now have a history of pitchers getting hurt over the past what eight years now. Two of their best pitchers have, have been multiple times injured. Jimmy Wong lost his career to that. His career is basically over. Tanaka got hurt a couple years back running the bases, and he's got hurt again. You know, It's one thing, a National League pitcher, at least they do it on a semi-consistent basis. An American League pitcher doesn't swing a bat, doesn't run the bases. He might have one start a season in a National League ballpark, maybe two. And that guy's supposed to get up there and, and be competent? Like, ugh, it's so frustrating. I don't want to dive into that too far now. Uh, with the whole DH thing. I think we're going to get into that later. That'll be our, our last uh, tidbit. That was a little tease there. Good tease. Good tease. We'll talk about the DH and the ALNL later. But back to the Yankees and your takeaways. Continue. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I already talked about how the Mets pen is garbage, right? Yes, yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, we want to talk about uh, Drupal Cabrera getting hurt a little bit. I thought you were going to talk about the well, Yankees, but you can more, talk about our guys. More, it's just more takeaways on the whole series. Uh, okay, I have one for the Yankees then that nobody seems to be talking about. I know you hate this, but I, I like to point out the flaws in the Yankees, even though everyone you know hates on that because they're the best team in baseball. Our heart of the order is horrible. Where we're getting our production is at the bottom of the order in, you know, our Glaber Torres, Miguel Andujar, and even like, you know, when it turns over with Brett Gardner and Judge and stuff like that. Gary Sanchez has been horrible. He's now batting like one ninety. Greg Bird has continued to do nothing outside of September and October his entire career. Um uh, Giancarlo Stanton hits meaningless home runs all the time uh, that are just, you know, tacking on or, or you know, we're down in a million. Um, we need to fix this because our team will not sustain itself now that we are down to three starting pitchers. Well, if you believe in baseball in you know, regression to the mean and the average and ebbs and flows, if you think about it, the Yankees have found all the success so far with largely no production from Gary Sanchez and Giancarlo Stanton and Greg Bird. 
And DD hasn't. Well, and DD's, DD's been heating up. He's been heating up. He did. Again. He did have a really slow stretch. That's for sure. If you're still finding the success without the meat of your order getting production, doesn't that bode well for moving forward? When just law of averages says they're going to start turning it around, doesn't it just make them that much more scary? Or scarier? I, I, I don't really. I don't know that you can. I mean, I don't know the way I look at it. I don't believe in the regression of the meat back of the baseball card type of thing as much. You know, if that's the case, John Carlos Stanton isn't going to have the season he had last year, so he's going to have a worse season, right? So that's a fair point. Maybe this is what he is. Gary Sanchez has only had crazy success in baseball in the short career that he's had. Maybe this is more what he's in line with because nobody saw him doing that. You know, Didi Gregorius probably isn't as good as we we like to think he is as a Yankee fan, or at least as good as he was over the first month or so. Right, and Aaron Hicks is is Aaron Hicks, and I you know I hate Aaron Hicks. Um, so if that's the case, maybe this is what our lineup is. And and I, I know it's just kind of hard to, to to harp on all the, the the few negatives that we have, but I think that these are glaring you know weaknesses that we have that are going to get even more highlighted. We, we've had an easy stretch lately, you know, playing play teams like the Tigers and the Mets. No offense, well, kind of offense. Um, it's, okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's just a fair point. The Mets can't score runs. Yeah, they are. We, we haven't been playing good teams recently. Obviously, we had that stretch where we did face good teams, and, and but we were also pretty healthy during that point. Um, I don't know. I, I think that we're we're ticketed for a little bit of a slide soon, just by how it's going. And I, I see that going in a similar direction forward. I think you and I talked about this before the season even started. We really wanted to, you know. Weather expectations on Giancarlo Stan. He just had a career year, one MVP, 50, what, 57, was it? 57 home runs, a fantastic season. 59, whatever. He had a fantastic season, right? That that was an outlier for him. Yeah, he always had that power. Yeah, he always hit these amazing-looking home runs. Well, he can't hit righties for and anything. Then we also we, we hammered home the bolts of us. I even think much, uh, Mike Palmasano, when he was on early before the season, he said the same thing. What you should expect from Giancarlo Stan is not MVP Stan. That is... That is the outlier season for him. And, and despite his big name, he's never really played meaningful baseball. The, he, he's proved in the first couple weeks of uh, his Yankee career that he wasn't specifically ready for these big lights yet, and he hasn't proven enough to say that he's over it. So maybe you're right. Maybe he's not He's not that guy. Like he's not going to be 50 home runs. He might still end up with 30, 35, and I think that's fair. But what does that mean when you're striking out as much as he does? He's not getting on base the way Judge does because he doesn't take pitches like him. He doesn't specifically look comfortable at the plate. That's my whole thing is like you could and, – and maybe it's unfair, but I, I think you could always point to the comparison between the two of them. I mean it's such an easy comparison because of their player – the way they look. On yeah, the and even just their game, you know, the type of game. They play the same position and everything. Um, just Judge, where he falls short a lot of the time is because he gets the most – out of, out of the zone strikes called on him and it changes the entire at bat. Stan will swing at everything unless it's in the zone where he doesn't swing at it. Um, he never looks comfortable in there. His stance is so weird. I've never seen anybody have that kind of stance and have success. I mean, you, you just said it actually. I just popped in my head. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, he has a really closed stance. Yeah. And you said he struggles against righties. Yeah. The, the number one thing about a closed stance is it changes your perception as to how you can see the ball, right? Like, you are not physically able to look comfortably straight at the pitcher if you're that close. And he's actually getting more and more closed over the past year or two. So that's a direct correlation right there. I don't know his numbers. I guess we could look it up if we want right now. But we don't fact check all the time over here, so whatever. If he's struggling against righties, that's a correlation. The really close stance. Yeah, for sure. And that will totally help him against lefties. Sure. Like, I don't... Yeah, he could be great against lefties. Well, he's he's been great against lefties, but... Every you know how many pitchers are lefties in the league? Every nine pitchers or something like that, on average, I think is is how often you you face a lefty. It doesn't really do you much good, and especially you just whenever there's a big moment, he never he never gets that hit. And Gary, you know, Gary has a lot a lot longer of a leash. A because he's a catcher. B because he's not making any money. And C because we've seen success for us on the team with the player. Judge, I mean, uh, Stanton isn't afforded that luxury. Uh, well, he is afforded a leash uh, based off of the millions of dollars that the Yankees owe him. Well, what do you, oh, you mean in terms of what? You I know? mean, he has a leash. It's no, not like he's going to get benched. I mean a fan leash. I mean more oh, okay, like a okay. fan leash. Like your, your personal hatred of him. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the fan hatred's died down just because we've been so good. You know, it was more, it was more um, uh, I don't know, in your face when they were 9-9, nine and nine, obviously. It's been a long time since then. But I don't know. I, I think that people just... He, to me, he's like a Jason Hayward type player. It's like you brought him on, you thought he was going to be this, this, you know, put you over the top, and really just kind of, it's a bit more of a drag than you think he is. He's way more meddling. If yeah, you know. And, and you know, here's the thing though, you know, it's not you can't 
We traded him for 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 uh, for Starling Castro, and we've had so much more production out of Glaber Torres at the, at the second base position. So really, you advance there, and you have a DH that's better than Matt Holiday last year. So it's Fair it's, it's obviously a big win uh, in that regard. Because if you're just comparing Glaber Torres to Starling Castro, you got to win there. If you're tra- comparing Giancarlo Stanton to Matt Holiday, it's a win there. But you know you have to look at everything relatively. This isn't you know if this if he, he was on. The Minnesota Twins, nobody would give a, give a crap, you know. Oh, you mean kind of like when he was on the Marlins? Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. His highlights would make Sports Center, but right now, now didn't mean wins. Right, exactly, and, it, and that's all anybody ever cares about is in New York. You want wins. I don't care if you're if you're mashing meaningless home runs. I mean, that was always a knock on Judge last year, and I think he's kind of proven that he can be very clutch and endears himself to the fans every more and more every time you do that. I mean, Didi Gregorius had that horrible second month, and everyone it's like, all right, it's Didi. He ha- he won us a ton of games in, in April because that's it. He's also the type of guy you will be like, okay, regression to the mean. He was going to slow down, and he's not going to be this bad. It'll be in the middle somewhere. Right, exactly. And, and you just mentioned Brett Gardner, and I think that's a good segue when you talk about clutch and endearing endearing yourself to fans. Brett Gardner is example A. So a little bit of a mea culpa from my end over here. Uh, I was definitely adamant before the season started, and even as shortly ago, maybe two weeks, three weeks ago, we we did a podcast, you and I, and I uh, I mentioned maybe it's time to take him out of the leadoff hole. I don't think it's time to bench him. I don't think it's time to give up on Brett Gardner. I just thought he could give so much value in the nine hole. Maybe it can get him going. He is like the absolute perfect flip the order guy, second leadoff uh, role that Glaber Torres is playing so well. He turned it around, and Brett Gardner has proven he has proven to be that leader. He has proven to be who Brett Gardner is, who we know him to be. And I will I'm not apologizing to anyone, no one really cares if I'm sorry or not, but I will say I was definitely wrong. I was wrong. I thought it may be time to lessen his load, to to move him back, move some of these other guys up. He proves to be a consistent, effective baseball player. And it's good to watch. He's a guy that's really easy to root for. He's just so clutch too. You, you, you need that on a team if you want to compete for. You know, that's something that a young team doesn't have is that Brett Gardner. Every team that wins a championship has that Brett Gardner. You know, like you look at the Astros last year. It was probably your Justin Verlanders or your Carlos Beltrans and everything like that. And they, obviously Verlander shows up a lot more in the box score, but. You need people like that to, to influence younger people to show them how the, how baseball supposed to be played or any sport supposed to be played. You need right. that blue guy. I mean, Aaron Boone just raves about him all the time, and he's he's a free agent at the end of this year. Everyone always thought, okay, well they'll let it ride out, then they'll bring up the Clint Frazier, and you have Esteban Florio, who's the center fielder of the future, and everything like that. But I don't know. I think you got to resign him at this point, and I, I think it's fair to think even if he struggles next year in the beginning of the of the season or something like that, you know it's gonna. Rebound. He hasn't lost any speed. He's an elite defender still, and guy knows how to hit the ball when he needs to. I mean, um, even Mickey Calloway has been raving about Brett Gardner. They played it on ESPN tonight. Uh, who has ups and downs in their broadcast? Probably. I love their little crew. I love Vascurgeon. Uh, Matty like, V's awesome. Uh, Matty V's great, and they played a little soundbite of, of Mickey Calloway talking back to the playoffs last year, where Brett Gardner would have these incredibly long at bats where he's fighting off pitch after pitch, and he's just he's a nuisance to get out. Yeah, and and that really really helps. The rest of the lineup. And yeah, we talk about Aaron Judge having a gravity in the lineup. Even if he's not getting production, the pitcher's thinking about Aaron Judge when he's facing the guys ahead of him and you know behind him if he already did something. So Brett Gardner, he creates gravity by having these 12 pitch at-bats and slapping a single when the pitcher threw a great pitch and he's just getting on base. It's frustrating for a pitcher. And it really helps out the whole team, even if it's not showing up in the box score completely. Yeah. And, and you know, what I love about the the Yankees lineup with a lot of the players outside of the people I, I mentioned before who are struggling, uh, they all hit differently. Like, you know, I, I noticed something this weekend over the past, like, maybe five or six games with, with, with Andujar. Um, every time somebody walks in front of Andujar, because Andujar is always looking, you know, swing out of his shoes like an Adrian Beltre, Vlad Guerrero type. If you walk in front of Andujar and you're trying to find your strike zone in the next at bat, Andujar's going to rip the ball. You can't get him on a throw me over. No, you can't. If you're trying to find the strike zone, don't try to find it on him because he's going to rip the ball into the seats or you know double down one or whatever the case is. You know, I saw a tweet from my my buddy, a sports blog contributor on occasion, uh, Anthony Manorino. He tweeted, "Miguel Andujar is batting eighth for the Yankees tonight," and I think it's pretty fair to say. 
he would be the best hitter on the Mets right now. So, so from an outside perspective, what's your like? What's your trust tree right now in terms of hitters on the Mets? Give me your top four. Yeah. Because all right, so this we, is my, from my perspective. I'll go, give you yeah, mine. Go let, ahead. let me know if you agree. So it's Nimmo, which is crazy that that's your most valued hitter right now. Uh, Cabrera, right? Who just went out with a little injury. Todd Frazier. Who just came back from a little injury. <laughs> and then, I, I guess, I don't know, Miserocco or something like that? It, it's it's Conforto, I think. Still? Like, he's really struggling. You think it's still Conforto? I, I think it is, and here's why. I mean, we're just talking about all these Yankees guys about, you know, coming back to a mean, even though... Conforto's mean is kind of doesn't exist at the moment because he's had this really high up and he's had some real struggles in his in his uh, short career so far. But when he's up at the dish, you have more confidence in him than almost anybody that he's going to either put together a good at bat, put good contact on the ball despite the struggles. And he showed some signs of, of picking it up. But Mesoraco's right there for me. I mean, he's a guy who doesn't play every day, being a catcher obviously. But since he joined the team, he is a guy who can be a little bit of a problem. So my trust tree is very similar. It's Nimmo, it's Cabrera, who's also been really cooled down since his super, super hot start. Uh, and then it's, it's Todd Frazier and it's Michael Conforto. And it's crazy to say those names because none of those names right now, except for Conforto, should be that guy. No. Jay Bruce, one of the last guys. You, you see him up to the bat, you don't expect a good at-bat, you don't expect great contact, and if he puts the ball in the air... It's warning track power. It's, been, it's, been, it's been warning track power for Jay Bruce. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, he has some good at-bats. He's a professional hitter. He's past his prime. And when whatever you get from him is icing on the cake, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of cake. This is this is the whole problem with the Mets offseason. Like you're getting all these value picks, but you don't have any of these blockbuster offensive players, because and you need them. It's like, you, wait, you know, exactly. You know who makes Todd Frazier look good? The Yankees. Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like, Aaron Judge does all this great stuff, and then whatever you get from Todd after him, nice. Exactly. When Todd Frazier was batting eighth or ninth for us, when a ninth, eighth or ninth spot actually meant something in the Yankees lineup, it was fine. It didn't really matter. And if you got a big hit, he got a big hit. That was awesome. We loved him. Um, but he's he's batting like fourth or fifth for you, you guys, right? He's batting cleanup. Yeah. Like, that's that's not good. <laughs> I mean, he, I, in fairness, he had a great series. He had, he had I think... Two home runs. I mean, he's the reason we won one game. <laughs> yeah, and it was almost the reason you won another game. I yeah. Mean, uh, the, the second game. Um, something that's crazy, uh, I, I, we were watching the, the last game today, and uh, they showed a stat. The Mets pitchers, Mets starting pitchers, had a 2.18 ERA. They've been fantastic. In their last eight starts and had lost all eight of them. That's crazy. Do you, do you think it's time to sell yet? <sighs> I knew we were going to get here. At this, it would have been malpractice to not talk about this sure. uh, when we're talking about the Mets now. I mean, if you listen to sports radio, it's the number one conversation regarding the Mets is we got to trade DeGrom, we got to trade Syndergaard, or we can't trade DeGrom, we can't trade Syndergaard. And then Yankee fans are calling in, we need DeGrom, we need DeGrom. <laughs> and it's super, super frustrating. And I'm going to throw out Don LaGreca from Michael K. Show, obviously. He went on one of his, you know, one of his rants that he may do on occasion, and it was about the Mets franchise on a history standpoint, like the whole thing. He goes, who is the Mets franchise guy? Started with the Mets, ended with the Mets, long career, mostly good. David Wright? There's nobody. No, well, oh, ended with the Mets on a good note? Yeah, uh, or just okay. ended on the Mets in almost any note that's not DL <laughs> for two years in a row. Well, it was another thing we laughed about, too, on the broadcast, was that the, the Mets' first and second most hits on the, on the Mets were uh, all-time leaders board was, was David Wright and Jose Reyes. Absolutely. They have been relevant in ten years. And Jose Reyes... Has been the worst player in the MLB so far this year. Literally. Literally. The, literally. Mets, the Mets are currently trying to get him to retire <laughs> and to do a retirement press conference. And yet he's still starting for us. Or did he He didn't start tonight. I guess he came in for he Cabrera. In Cabrera got but it. still, he plays a lot. <laughs> Jose Reyes is in all the time. But the problem is that you have no farm system. Yeah. But, which, which is leading to me to my point. You got to sell because the, the, the Braves are only going to get better significantly better. The Phillies are only going to get significantly better. The Nationals, even if they lose Harper, like you, you had said before, they're still going to be a decent enough team, and they're better and more talented than the Mets are right now. If they just have Scherzer and Strasburg alone, they're more, they're more talented with the offense they have. So right back to my conundrum. Jacob deGrom has been a very good Met. His success has been unfortunately accompanied with not wins because of the lack of run production he often gets. He had his first loss in a two-earned-run performance in which he basically threw one bad pitch in the game, it felt like. To who? To Brett Gardner. That's right. <laughs> I, said, I said to Brett Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Jacob deGrom has the ability to be that lifelong Met, to ride it out, to see if he can live through the struggles and come back to glory and maybe make another appearance after winning a, pe- a pennant like he did in 15. But using the most objectivity and looking around the league at the best teams, a la Yankees, Astros, Cubs, flipping talent for younger talent or you know making the move at the right time to put your team over the hump can do wonders for a franchise. And if we trade Jacob DeGrom and we get anywhere between two and four prospects, if one or two of them become players for the Mets for the next seven to 12 years, it's a huge win. But it's just it's incredibly hard to part ways with the only positive that we can really hang our hat on right now. Because even Syndergaard it was is currently say, hurt. And you're not you're not considering trading Syndergaard, right? Because in much, my head, it's not it's not even on the table. It's it's much easier to say we can't trade Syndergaard. He's 25. But if you're trying to do this projection thing, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording. If we're trying to do this projection thing, you got to look at the health of these people. How they, how they train, and we're talking about all these guys who are getting hurt in the MLB because they're meatheads and they're muscleheads. That's, that's Noah Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. Does Noah Syndergaard project to be healthy over the, the course of his career? Jacob deGrom has never thrown 200 innings. I get that. But at the same point, he's not built off muscle. He's built off being a good pitcher with really good stuff. And he, in my opinion, projects to be a guy who would be able to pitch into his middle, late 30s based off the fact he knows what to do on the mound. Well, new baseball analytics would, would dictate as well that pitchers actually, it's not like how it used to be, they actually get better once they turn the 30 mark, uh, if you know how to pitch. If you're not a power thrower, you could actually pitch. Right. Uh, like John Lester or someone like that. Um, so you might not even not see the best years out of DeGrom yet. And that's my point. And that's why it's so, hard, it's so hard for me to be like, we have to trade DeGrom. When I have a very realistic view of seeing him in four or five years still be super effective, you know? So, yeah, he's a free agent in two years, right? Two years is a pretty long time. And would he resign with the Mets? I think so. Would the Mets be willing to pay him? I think they would be more willing to pay him rather than some random free agent who they never seem to go after. So when, when I'm trying to weigh DeGrom versus Syndergaard and who should be traded, I actually lean Syndergaard. I don't know if I want to trade him either because he's 25 and has been so good. But I see Noah Syndergaard at age 32 not throwing 100 miles per hour in the seventh inning, but maybe being injury prone or maybe not being able to uh, still find success without the stuff. I see Jacob DeGrom, on the other hand, always being successful no matter uh, how hard he's throwing. Right. Well, because he knows how to pitch. He doesn't just throw. And that's something that people usually find later on in their career, and he already has that. Now, stay with me here, because I know that this gets said a lot, and I think that people say it pretty inarticulately a lot when you talk on sports talk, uh, sports talk radio and everything like that. I think, and I don't think it will happen, but I think it should happen, that DeGrom should be traded to the Yankees. Come on. I'm going to say it. I actually, wait, before you go, I'm going to give you your opportunity. Uh, but let me just say this. You are so not alone in this idea. So many people, all being Yankee fans, want DeGrom they think it should happen. They think it might happen. It's not going it to happen. It won't. But... And it's incredibly frustrating to be working an overnight shift at the fan from midnight to 6 a.m. and to hear at least three people an hour call in who are Yankees fans saying, oh, well, give, give us DeGrom. We'll throw you this guy and that guy. It's no, not no, going to no, happen. No, no, no. It, it, it won't, but it should. And let me just tell you why, because I think the people focus on the wrong things. Okay. I'll listen. You look around the league... What's so, it's it's about to be the trade deadline in about a month, month and a half, or whatever the case is, right? Um, you look around the league and you look for teams that are going to be selling off. There's only two teams, maybe, that have any kind of length on contract for their pitchers, right? So you already it's pretty much between Mad Bum and and Degrom, right? And the Giants are still very much in that division because that division is up for grabs. So then Degrom's the only reasonable one who's uh, who's has team control, who's almost at the 30 year, is getting paid nothing, um, and other, the other market is, is rentals like Cole Hamels, Patrick Corbin, people that don't, you know, between like Michael Fulmer, people think Michael Fulmer's good. Michael Fulmer has like a four and a half ERA. He stinks. I don't know. I never understand why people think he's so good. I know that from my fantasy team. He's been struggling. He stinks. He, he had one good half of the season, even this season when Gary Sanchez, when he beat Gary Sanchez's rookie of the year, he had a horrible second half of that season. 
at that point, you already have the market and can have all the leverage in the world, right? If you trade now, at, at that point, the next step is to rebuild your farm system as much as possible, right? You have to pay a premium to do in uh, in city rival trade more so than any other team, right? Correct. So at that point, because you already have the leverage for the market and you already have them over the barrel for because it's your city, and don't tell me that that can't happen in the city too, by the way, because. Uh, Javier, uh, I mean Jose Quintana just got traded to the Cubs from the White Sox last year. Who had a ton of team control and was a great pitcher, and that was a, a, a huge deal. They traded Eloy Jimenez, who's an incredible prospect, probably on the same level that Glaber Torres is. I mean, I can't compare the way the Yankees and Mets function to the White Sox and Cubs just because I don't know. But there is a history of the Mets and Yankees There's, not trading. Well, the White Sox and the Cubs have been a, 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 a more of a rivalry for about sixty years longer. Uh, because you know, they both existed. Yeah, <laughs> might even be longer to be honest. With you. I think that they were both teams uh, from the, the initial, uh, like prior to 1900. Regardless, um, at that point, the haul that the Mets would get for Degrom to trade to the Yankees would put them in a position to have long-term committed uh, prospects for the next seven plus years. Uh, for about probably get four top flight prospects for it. You might even if I, I don't think Cashman would do it, but you might even get an Andujar or or Chad Green or someone who's a proven great commodity at the major league level who's still under a ton of key team control. I don't think that would happen because I think we just have so much prospect uh, uh, leverage in the, in the minors right now. Um, and the Yankees, like I said, have this surplus. It's a perfect marriage right there. And as much as Met fans would hate it initially. It would set them up with so much more success going forward, and the Yankees can unload and get the team, the player that they need, or else they, they really can't compete for a championship with Tanaka, Sonny Gray, and and, and uh, Luis Severino. How how would that not be the best result for the Mets? I'm not saying it's not, and it is. I mean, if you look at the farm systems that you want to start, you know, plucking into, the Yankees are one of the top farm systems in the league. Right. So obviously, if you can get some of those prospects, that would be an avenue so, to explore. So let me ask you something. If is, there's only a couple teams that are competing for the for the World Series this year, right? Okay. The Astros don't need starting pitching. The Red Sox do, but their their farm system is nowhere near where the Yankees are at, right? You look at something like the National League. You probably want to get Degrom out of the National League if you're going to do something like that, right? You don't want to see him all the time and and things like that. It really, if you just take the names of the Yankees and the Mets out of it, it's the perfect marriage. That's correct. It's fair. And I guess the reason why it's so frustrating to just hear over and over again is because it's not going to happen. Because the Mets wouldn't even trade you guys Lucas Duda. Like, we wouldn't give you... That's a good point. You know, like, we wouldn't give you Joe Schmo on the end of our bench. I don't know if we're going to give you our franchise player. Well, here's another <laughs> thing. It's really tough. Here's another thing, though. And, and I don't think... I think he, you're viewing him as a franchise player, but I don't think he's staying with the Mets after, after those two years anyway. Debatable, but sure. The Mets brought back someone this year that wasn't here last year or the year before but was in the previously. Omar Minaya. Omar Minaya is huge on building a farm system. Sandy Alderson never wanted to build a farm system. Every, every player that you love now came from, from an Omar Minaya tree. Sandy Alderson doesn't like doing much. Right. <laughs> Omar Minaya was brought in to be this guy, to, re, to rebuild that farm system. And tap into the Latin American prospects. Right. Again. Exactly. Th- that's a guy who's going to, if he has any say in things, is going to ne- say, we need to trade these people now because you have no window. I don't, ca- I don't care what, what Mickey Calloway says or what people in the Mets community say. There is no window anymore. That window is gone. You had a small window uh, when you sneaked into the World Series when you shouldn't have, um, and maybe a year or two after that, and, ever, and that's it. You, there was no position players on that team. There haven't been since, uh, and there's no more coming on the way. I mean... Ahmed Rosario is your top prospect. He could still turn into something good. I, I do think he will. Dom Smith doesn't seem to be... They, they seem to have lost all faith in him. They don't want to bring him up at all. Uh, you still have Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Reyes, Jose Batista, uh, all these people that should be DFA'd, and yet he's not coming up from, from the minors. There's something wrong with him. Um, you have nobody in that farm system. No reinforcements coming on the way, and nobody... They're not going to spend the money on free agents. So what are you doing here? It's a good point. And it's, it's, it's really hard as a Mets fan... To try to make the forward-thinking move while also trying to hold on to any sort of hope that you have. And, and I think that you are correct. I think all the people who believe the Mets should trade DeGrom or should trade Syndergaard are probably on the right side of history with this. Because that would most likely work out. There are, like, so uh, let me set this up. The Mets are seven and a half games out of division behind three teams. 
The Mets are also seven and a half games out of the wild card, behind nine teams. Have the Mets had a second half resurgence to where they snuck into a wild card spot? Absolutely, they have. Do they have that talent this year? I do not think they do. No, I don't think they do. I do not think they do. And it is extremely challenging. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little speechless on, on this point now because I've been trying to figure out a way to think about how the Mets can flip things around, how they could not trade DeGrom and Syndergaard and still flip the franchise uh, into a successful franchise that moves forward and doesn't try to do more of the same, kind of like the Knicks do and what I think the Knicks are doing now. My gut still says they're not going to trade DeGrom. Sandy Alderson seems like the type of guy who'd rather sit like sit back and wait rather than go out and be aggressive. And that's probably the wrong thing. I, I just when think- Crosstown, you see Brian Cashman, who right now just lost one game in the Subway Series and is probably pulling out his lack of hair. <laughs> because he, he wants to win every game. He wants to be the absolute best. The way he looks at the Yankees right now is, I don't care we were in the, the um, ALCS last year, we're the wild card winners. That's it. That's all we are. We're just a wild card winner from last year. We need to win the division. We need to get better every day. We need to do every move possible to make this team great. You just don't get that from the Mets. No, but you know what? I, I, I think that you, you could look at a team like the Tigers recently. Um, they're a team, their owner who recently passed away. He was someone who put a lot of money into that team because he wanted to see a championship before, before he died, right? At the end, they traded J.D. Martinez. They traded David Price away. They traded uh, Justin Verlander away. Justin Verlander is a pretty similar comp to to Jacob DeGrom. That's fair. That's fair. Spent his entire career there. Everyone thought he was going to retire there. He had a no-trade clause. And you know what? Never say never on a trade. And, and I think that if you – in my head, I'm combining the things that have happened, like Justin Verlander leaving the Tigers, um, Jose Quintana going across town uh, to, to, to win a World Series because they get prospects. And in my head, it just makes so much sense. And, and I know the reason they won't do it is because of fan perception. But Which they seem a, to only care about when it's convenient for them only to not when spend it's money. <laughs> exactly. And, and, that, and, and to me, that's really sad because – it, it's it, like you look at you look at like the, what the Cubs did for Labor Torres with Roldis Chapman, right? Look what the Yankees got. The, the Yankees traded away someone for a half a year, a closer, a relief pitcher, and got this kid. Imagine what value they can get for Degrom. Imagine they can get five Labor Torreses. You know, if you got to weigh the balance of four swings at a prospect or three swings at a prospect versus uh, what we look at as a short commodity, one person, and three swings and a half. Three swings at yeah, only guaranteed for a year and a half. So maybe three swings at a prospect or four swings at a prospect is much better. And I think I'm getting I'm getting sold more and more every day. And when I look at the wild card standings and see nine teams between them and the top dog, it's really hard to believe they have a chance to turn this thing around. It's very very hard. So so what are we clinging on to at that point? Is my whole thing. And, and I know you you seem to be in agreement, even though if, I don't know if you want to fully admit it. But I don't want to fully admit it, <laughs> but uh, but I'm like there. I'm like on the fence. But there's no. But there, my legs are on the other side. <laughs> there's no shot they're 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 making the playoffs this year. And even if they somehow to manage to do that, you're not winning a World Series. So if your end game is to squeak into the playoffs, you need to reassess your situation. You need to fire your GM. <laughs> that's that's the whole thing. Your your end game should never be, hey, let's try to win the wild card. Let's try to sneak into that second wild card spot because then anything could happen. No, you want to have the best team on the field for the longest amount of time because dynasties don't last in baseball like people think they're going to do. Everyone thought the Cubs were going to be incredible for years. Those are still a good, good ball club. They're not the, the team that won the World Series. They're going to need to retool to become that team Yeah, again. The Royals were not a dynasty. And now they're nothing. They're nothing. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. Right. Things swing around really quickly, and you, you need to always... That's why people like, you know, like the Astros or the Yankees, that they, while they're still good at the pro level, they still have this farm system that they constantly uh, are replenishing because anything can happen. People don't amount to things. They have one or two good years, and they don't turn anything. Who knows? Gary Sanchez, this might be what he... I don't think it is, but this might be what he is for the rest of his career. And that's why they just drafted the switch-hitting catcher. Uh, the switch-hitting, switch-pitching catcher. <laughs> that guy's going to be the biggest bust in the world, by the way. <laughs> they drafted two catchers in this draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah you're right. Uh, it's high it's, levels. I, I, hope, I hope this podcast here, recorded old-school style in our basements with just a Mac laptop, I hope it was somewhat therapeutic in the second half of it for Mets fans. Because for me, it was a little therapeutic. I, 
I, every moment in which you're talking, I'm trying to think of a way to play devil's advocate, to say we have this chance or we have this hope, and, it's, and I don't have anything to say about it. So my feet are on the other side of the fence, but my butt is still planted on the top, <laughs> getting poked by those little freaking wires in my butt right now. So it hurts. It really does. But let's move on from that. I think it was good talking to the Mets and the Yankees. Let's go a little bit more uh, baseball-wide here for just like five or so minutes. I don't sure. want to make this one too long. Uh, the DH, man. I like to look at you and I as pioneers on this conversation because over a year ago, we did a podcast. If you listen to that podcast and you're listening to this one, shout us out. You know, and us on Twitter, SportBlakeOnc, whatever. P Kennedy, two us. Tell us because we were talking about this for a while. It is ridiculous that two leagues in the same sport have different rules. There should be a DH in the American League and the National League, and it seems to only get brought up. Every time a pitcher gets hurt running the bases or a pitcher gets hurt swinging the bat or something with the offensive game, it is insane. The stats don't add up. A National League ERA versus an American League ERA are different standards. When will it be time for baseball to be like, traditions are cool and we want to keep the, quote, integrity of the game, but dumb traditions are dumb and they should be gotten rid of. Will we see a time in the next couple of years where this move is actually made, or are people like you and I, quote, blog boys in our basements just going to be complaining about it? No, I think it's happening soon. Uh, I was reading an article, I think today or yesterday. Uh, what are days, though, you know? That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, you know, a series of 24-hour increments, I guess, would <laughs> be an answer to that. <laughs> fair point. Um, but uh, there's a lot of younger GMs these days, and they don't subscribe to old-school tradition and things like that. Um, they're sick of seeing a worse product. They're sick of seeing people get hurt all the time. And people are like speculating within maybe the next three years or so that this is going to be uh, you know, voted upon and, and changed. And it should be because well, there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing exciting. You know what? People say the strategy of everything. Oh, you know what? Disgusting. And you know what? Here's the thing, too. The strategy where you're putting your 10th or 11th best hitter at bat in a situation – that's not strategy. That's not fun. Like, you know, to, to, to change him out or to take your starting pitcher out at 75 pitches because this might be the only opportunity to strike or to see uh, Luis Severino swing and miss three horribly swung at pitches uh, in a row or Tanaka hurt himself on the field. It's so dumb. It is so dumb. And it's cool when an Otani can do it or something like that because he actually does it well. And he's literally the first person since Babe Ruth. Well, that's not true. He's the first person in a while. Uh, I mean, the, the DH came in the 60s. Ron Bloomberg was the first DH. No, but I'm saying, yeah. Shout out Yankees. Fair enough. Um, but uh, I, 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 he's, the, he's the first person in a long time, so he's getting touted at this. But it's, it's exciting. because he, he just got hurt, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm so hyped about that. About oh. I, oh, you know what? Screw that. He's got a blister on his finger. It'll be fine. Um, Oh, no, oh, that's right. It was a UCL. UCL, yeah. Oh, oh, that's weird. A little bit worse than a blister. I forgot. <laughs> I'm thinking... Tanaka's been pitching on a UCL tear for the, his entire life. Whatever. I, I, root, I root for injuries on, team, on players I don't like. You know that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I stand on that standard. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you're right. Oh, I don't remember. Regardless. I'm not going to judge you on it. Regardless. You, there's, even if you say how cool it is to see a Madison Bumgarner home run, it happens once every million years. Noah, Noah Syndergaard, who is a guy who people will look at and be like, Man, he just got to get into one. He could hit a home run. He literally has striking out for over half of his at-bats. It's this Literally, I'm not even kidding. He strikes out half of his time in the plate. So what's the point here? To maintain tradition? Because that's such a fallacy in baseball. Tra- there is no tradition in baseball like people think there is. The game changes every 10 years or so dramatically. Dramatically. There's always these new, ins- these new rules or new measurements or statistics or... Or just ways of playing it. I mean, you know, the records, everyone grasps onto the, the sanctity of stats and, and these records, and they'll get changed just by the way of the game. The home run record is going to break eventually just because people are swinging for the fences and don't care about strikeouts. You know, Yogi Berra struck out like 12 times in one year and like make it 52. That's never going to happen again. Yeah, you can. It, it can be cool when you have the Joe DiMaggio hit streak or the Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, game streak, which will absolutely never get broken. Exactly, <laughs> the Ricky Henderson stolen base because those are cool and like that. That's a different type of thing. But you hold on to the sanctity of these records and everything, but they're going to go away. So, so 
at that point, you already have the DH already came in. That wasn't something that was always around. It came right. in the '60s. That's it's relatively. A, it's so it's so hypocritical. Yeah, it's 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 already there. It's not like you're like, oh well, you know, maybe this is a new thing. It's ridiculous that it only happened in one league in the '60s. In the first, right? In it's the first so, place. <laughs> and you know what? It's a guy who comes to mind for me right now when we're talking about this is Matt Stairs. That guy had a job in the National League to just be a pinch hitter. But the way pitchers don't go deep into games anymore, National League teams cannot afford to keep Matt Stairs on their roster yeah. because he's just taking up space and he's not a pitcher who can come in and help out for guys who can't go longer than six innings. And his worth is just not there if he's getting three at-bats in a week off pinch hits. It's, it's really, really insane. And I, I make the ridiculous comparison every time we talk about this, and I'm going to do it again. Sorry, I'm going to do it again. Think about any other major league sport, professional sport, the NBA, the NFL, the ho- hockey, anything. Imagine there was a guy who was an offensive player only and didn't have to play defense or vice versa. There was one guy from the offensive uh, 11 on, on football had to go in for a certain amount of snaps on defense in the NFC. Like imagine that. Imagine it's the Giants – are playing and uh, or now the Jets are playing the Giants, right? So the Jets don't have to do this. The Giants have their one guy who plays both offense and defense because they have to. Now the Jets come in and be like, "God damn, we got uh, um, uh, curse, curse, go go play safety." Like what? <laughs> it like it's a ridiculous analogy. I get that, and people are gonna be like, "Dude, you're being dramatic. Like it's it's not what? the same thing." But just think about any other sport where a player was forced upon in only certain situations to play a different position to do that. Well, it's insane. Well, here's the thing, too, is, like, the one thing I always loved about baseball is that it varies so much, right? Um, and I like that the... I, I think interleague, interleague play is dumb. I think it's so stupid. If you're Only because you're going to have this rule. But I, I don't mind if it's in the World Series if it's just that one thing, because then it actually does add strategy. That one series a year, it adds strategy. Um, but then even still, it, has, it puts two teams in situations... Uh, whether uh, an NL team in the AL where they don't have a regular DH or an AL team in the NL where they're not used to pinch well, hitting. They don't have a, a pitcher who's used to bunting and hitting. Well, that's and, another thing, too. Then there's double the unfair advantage. Well, yeah, well, I, but I don't mind that. I, 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 just, I always think it's cool that baseball was allowed that the, the two leagues didn't play each other until that one game and there was different rules. The ballparks are different. You have no familiar. Think of that. You have no familiarity with these teams at all until that one series. That's cool. Interleague play... Is just, in my opinion, stupid because you have these different rules and just different dimensions and everything like that. And it just, it, players get hurt all the time. The product is not good. Um, that's where it bothers me. I don't care about the National League as a whole, but it, it bothers me when, when an American League team has to go in there and they get hurt um, because they're not used to these type of things. But it, I don't know. I, I, I think, in reality, the root of the problem is that when they implemented the DH in the 60s, they didn't do it in both leagues. Now we have this issue. Which is a silly thing, man. Think so- about that decision room, right? <laughs> I bet you there was one guy who well, was really... It started with one team, though. It started with one team. started with the Yankees, Ronald yeah. Silver. Think of that. <laughs> Just one team had it initially. We're going to try it out. We're going to let this team try it out. Somebody was really pushing for it, right? <laughs> and, the, and the lead decision maker was like, I don't know. I don't like this thing, you young whippersnapper. And then finally they slowly and steady like say, come on, let's just try it. Let's just try it. And the way to convince him was like, hey will only ruin the integrity of the game in one league. <laughs> you can have your National League and your pitchers will be striking out, but w- let's just try this over here. Like th- That idea that those decisions were made is actually insane, too. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to see a change. Back to our original question. I think we're going to see a change soon. Uh, I guess I'm hyped for it. Uh, you know, there's certain things that, uh, not that I, I care about tradition, I just, you know, you say it to see go. Like, right. It's like one of those. It was like when, when, for example, when when they got rid of the, uh, would they be the intentional walk thing? It's like I don't really care. It's not gonna make me like I'm uh, upset. But I always did like seeing like if some, like you know if, if they actually accidentally hung one, or they right. had to try to find the strike zone afterwards, they couldn't. Or they do throw it. a pass ball on the intentional walk. It was always some some sort of moment too. If it was right. like you know Barry Bonds walks up to the plate and that catcher just stands up, puts his hand out, it's like oh, here we go. Exactly. Like, I, yeah. What does anybody miss that? No. Exactly. no. So in closing. For me, and if you want to say anything else after, go no, ahead. No, I just have one question for this okay. topic, and then we'll, we'll go. Fair enough. So in closing for me, if you watch baseball for pinch hits and double switches, <laughs> let me tell you something that you may not be aware of. You are not the viewer that baseball is looking for. They don't care about you. You might be old. You're probably not listening to this podcast because <laughs> you might not know what the podcast is. I don't know what the internet is. If you watch baseball for double switches and pinch hits... 
I can't have this conversation with you. Because everything that's interesting about baseball has very little to do with those moves. And that's my, my last thing to say on that. No, I agree. I'm in. All right, one more question, and I think we'll probably wrap it up. What do you think? Correct. All right, cool. Quick hits, what do you see at the trade deadline before? Way too early trade deadline predictions. For the baseball? Yeah. For the, for, for, the for the For the old baseball? For the baseballs. For the old baseballs, Cole Hamels gets moved. Any prediction where? Nope. Okay. The Red Sox try to make a splash in the pitching staff. Maybe that's a Cole Hamels move, but they pay I a think- lot of money. Don't think they care about paying more. Well, they're we're already way over the luxury tax, so it doesn't matter. They just cut Hanley Ramirez. Right. So I think I think the Red Sox are going to be trying to make that move because you know the Red Sox are always looking down south at New York. And I think the Yankees will make a move as well, probably for a pitcher. Um, and I think my prediction, not what I think is going to happen, Jacob deGrom does not get traded. Is my prediction, not what I believe should happen, because I, as sure. you can tell, I've, I've been swip, sure. flipping on that. My prediction, he does not get traded. Okay, I think Manny Machado is gone. He gone. He gone to the Diamondbacks. Ooh. I think that would be a real nice fit for him over there. A lot Ooh. of people are saying that. Is he gonna resign there though? No. Okay. Uh, well, maybe. I don't think the Yankees are gonna sign him. I don't think they're gonna sign Bryce Harper. Which is crazy to think of now because... Because you don't need him and that's like a weird thing to say out loud? <laughs> it is crazy too. If you two years ago you told me I wouldn't really want uh, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper on my team because I had... Um, a two, plethora of other guys to two, give a chance? Two random guys named Aaron Judge and Miguel Andujar. Um, I, think, I think Cole Hamels does go to the Red Sox. I think that's a real nice fit for him over there. Uh, and I'm happy because uh, I don't. I think he'll, he'll get shelved in the playoffs. I think he's one of those phony stat uh, stat things. Uh, he's a champion. Um, yeah, he's also he's also like sneaky, like 35. Fair. Um, <laughs> I, I the Yankees will get a pitcher. I think it. I, I've slowly convinced myself that there's a, po- a strong possibility that it'll happen. It probably won't. But uh, the Degrom situation. It's not gonna happen. If that's the case, then they need Madison Bumgarner. They need a they need an ace on a team that's not going to compete, and I think the Giants are just going to slowly get out of there. But then the hard thing with the Giants is that they bought in the offseason. They got Evelyn Goria and they got Andrew McCutcheon. That's a team that thought that they were going to compete this year, and I don't think they trade Mad Bum. I don't know. I think you got you kind of have to, and I think the Giants are a good organization uh, that does do that kind of stuff because um, their window's gone. They don't have a window there. I, I don't think they'll trade like Buster Posey. Because he's literally the face of that franchise. But, um, I mean, if, if they're smart, they trade Mad Bum now. Right, 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 he's doing his comeback because you don't know what he's going to be. Um, and Kershaw's not going anywhere. I mean, look at these. Uh, Felix Hernandez isn't good. Maybe, you know what? I was going to say, maybe the uh, the Mariners would trade, but they're good, they're good this year. They might win the division. Yeah. Well, not going to win the division. But, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's just not a plethora of, of, of starting pitching out there uh, that's good on the trade market. And for that reason... Wherever, if 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 Madison Bumgarner and Jacob Degrom, if they're on the move, whatever team gets them is going to be sending back a lot of good prospects. So, I don't know. That's a good nugget to end the podcast. Anything else? No, go Yanks. Fuck All right, <laughs> Sports Blog New York podcast. I uh, hope that you guys were able to listen through our very subpar audio today. Uh, I will not forget my mics and mixer in the future, and when I do it at home, I te- definitely won't because that's where it is. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so hopefully uh, you guys didn't hate the sound quality too much, but you enjoyed this podcast. You enjoyed the takes because that's what you come here for—the takes. Oh sure, that's it. We tried to get a short one, didn't happen. It was short of Jace. <laughs> short of Jace. All right, people. Thanks for listening. Sports Blog New York podcast. I'm Pete Kennedy. Alec Ogento. Y'all have a great day. Peace.